and welcome back to the Common Sense Podcast. We are going to pick up uh, this week's episode exactly where we left off last week, where Monica uh, was just about to say something uh, and we cut her off. (laughs) Um, So Tim is going to go ahead and give you a brief description of our practice and then we're just going to pick up right where Monica was. See you guys in a bit. So Common Sense Mental Health is a, it's, it's basically the overhead for a group of private providers, uh, licensed mental health counselors, social workers, uh, and we operate within our own practices and we provide uh, teletherapy throughout New York State. We also provide in-person therapy as well within the capital region. And all of our providers are competent in teletherapy. Uh, we specialize in video, phone, as well as text-based services. And some of our providers have their own practice that work with Common Sense and in those practices, they may be overseeing uh, interns or um, sort of pre-licensed providers who are under limited permits uh, or something along those lines. Uh, but that is Common Sense Mental Health in a nutshell. Um, any questions, you're always welcome to reach out and ask, and we will be happy to answer. I think that'll be an amazing addition to the podcast. I think so, too. Yes. Um, so just to go off of this and to take it back to the larger topic. Um, mm-hmm. So when we think about this, I guess what is coming up for each of us in terms of past collective trauma and past trauma that our generation has navigated. Um, and then I also want to maybe try to steer towards what does that, how does that sort of define our generation and how is that already sort of impacting us? Um, but yeah, so like what else comes up for each of us? Uh, the crash in 08 is one thing that comes up for me. Mm. Um, I think mostly because it was more personally impactful with my family. Mm. Um, so I don't know if my dad's going to listen to us, but who knows. Um, my dad actually lost his job the summer that happened or the summer mm. after. Um, and he was able to find another one. It was fairly quickly, and thank God for that. Um, but there was still that moment where I was like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, so that one is one that comes up for me, and I think it somewhat parallels this a bit more than a single tragic event because it was more long-lasting, and it's something that did shape, I think, at least how a lot of us view things like money and college and all of that. Um, I think something like millennials are X amount less likely to have like a credit card because they remember the crash in 08 and parents having debt, stuff like that. Mm. Um, sure. Yeah. 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 That, um, that's interesting because for me and my family, I, I don't think, I barely remember the 08 recession. Like if you asked me maybe like a couple years ago and would have mentioned like, the 08 crash, I would have been like, what are you talking about? Because, mm. like, I literally did not know that was happening. Mm. Um, and I, it's just because that's that's the point where you know, where my family was, where it really didn't affect us because we didn't have much to be affected. Mm. And, yeah. yeah, it's just eye-opening to hear other people's perspective mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually want to kind of hop on to that, Carlos, because I was just having the same reaction of, like, I mean, honestly, if you talked to me in 08 about the 08 crash, I kind of would have been like, Oh, yeah, right. I've heard that's a thing. Like, and I didn't come from, from privilege. And I don't want to say that I came from the least amount of privilege. I absolutely did not. Um, mm-hmm. But my family was not losing anything in the mm-hmm. 08 yeah. crowd. Like, you know, we just didn't have it. So um, it's interesting. I think that the crash is a really good um, a really good example because, like you said, Monica, it is this longer-lasting thing instead of, a, a moment or a solitary event. Um, but even that, it's interesting how some people have like so much more of a personal relationship with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's going to be interesting to see what is the relationship that various people have with this right now. Because yeah. there's some kids where they might be loving having mom and dad home and playing games with them and doing this. Meanwhile, the parents or older children might be freaking out mm-hmm. um, or might remember this is a very dark time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's a lot of added pressure on parents as well. Cause like, mm. are your kids struggling? Are you also struggling? But you also want to provide a sense of safety for your children. It, it, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Well, it, it is. And I, and I, and I think it's interesting because in it, I, I don't, I don't know if this applies for each of you too, but for me, based on my age now versus where I was in 08, I know, I know part of it for me, and I can relate probably more so to Emma and Carlos in that. Um, at the same time, though, I have a number of clients and colleagues and friends 
who, you know, I think were very similar Monica, where they remember it very differently. Like, it, it was incredibly traumatic for them at the time, and they lost a lot. Like, their lifestyles shifted in an instant. Um, and, yeah, and for me, you know, I had a very mixed experience between my, my my parents were separated, they weren't they weren't together. So there's a very mixed experience, but neither of them, I don't think, were really impacted financially. So it wasn't that way. I remember it was on the news a lot, and I remember seeing it on the news because I was, you know, very much into politics, and I was graduating high school, and this, you know, that was... A lot, a lot of change was happening around that time. So I remember seeing it in that context, but it was from a very observant standpoint. Yeah. But then comparing that to now, we're at 29, you know, we're in our private practices, we're running this business. Now, granted, you know, I think as we navigate the pandemic, we are very fortunate in that we will remain working and having jobs and working with clients. Yep. And um, But there is like a little bit of a different perspective in that of like, oh, like there's a lot more on the line right now. And, you know, if... God forbid if something were to play out or happen in a certain way where it did impact our field um, or impact, you know, at the very least, the work that we're doing just, you know, among us, um, you know, yeah, that would be a very different ballgame, a very oh, different yeah. experience. Yeah. So, you know, from the perspective of 29 versus when I was 17, 18, um, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's just, it's very, it's very different in that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is interesting too how for our generation, and we're seeing memes about this though, but the fact that we're having another recession, granted, very different contexts and causes, but mm -hmm. we're having this recession that's quite likely going to be worse than 08. Um, we're seeing this literally just 11, 12 years later. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, kind of right before our 20s and then capping off our 20s or going into our 30s, um, or for, for those of us even in our, our uh, later 30s, it's, um, it's just interesting how we're kind of navigating that twice in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, I'm interested to see what the uh, like statistics or the uh, comparisons will be for, like for our generation to like the older generations, like how much mm -hmm. they went through compared to how much we're going through to compare to how much Gen Z is going to be going through. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that flowed for me. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, I would like to see that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine being a high school senior or college senior right now because that is pretty impactful. And mm -hmm. It's unfortunate because there's a lot of milestones that they're, they're going to be missing. And that's in like the best case scenario, you know, hopefully yeah. they're not going to lose anybody or anything like that because it's horrible. But even just in the best of cases, it's, they're not going to have some of those rites of passage that I think we didn't realize we we're lucky to get. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as we're talking about this too, so think about the 08 crash and, and again, how that's now playing out now economically. It's interesting. My mind keeps jumping back to 9-11, even though it was very different and what happened with that was very different. Um, interestingly enough, there was a recession that year, although I don't think any of us probably remember that to the same degree or, or aware of that. No. Um, and it wasn't like 08 from what I understand. It was, you know, um, I think it was a dot, it was the dot com bubble bursting. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> it was, yep. I was so young. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, we, were, we were like 10, you know, at the time. Yeah. But like, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and Monica's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but <laughs> I was like in first grade, I was very, very focused on like learning my colors or reading books or whatever it is that you do in first grade. It was mm -hmm. very important stuff. Yeah. Trying to like get my seat in uh, musical chairs was mostly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about that and I don't know, it's interesting. And I'm, I think part of it, reason why my mind is jumping more to that and I'm kind of just exploring it as I'm talking, so it may not make total sense. But because, like I mentioned, I have a number of clients down in the city at this point, and hearing what they're navigating, I think that's partly why I'm making more of that connection of, like, there are, even though there's some major differences between this and, uh, you know, what, what, what happened then, um, it, I don't know, just, like, kind of how it's impacting the urban areas and sort of how, you know, the way it is, it just, it just, it is bringing me back to some of that. And then observing it from upstate, you know, and in this case, kind of being more of a part of it, but still, I mean, it's, you know, I don't know where that goes for each of you, but that's something where my mind keeps keeps jumping to i would agree with you because i feel like i'm consistently jumping back to 9-11 throughout this um again not i i know we said this a couple times not because i was like old enough in quotes to well you know let me take that back i was old enough to have a memory of it so i was old enough to be impacted by collective trauma like i have the memory yeah. um and i didn't grow up in the city i grew up in a rural area but it was an area like, I remember my parents coming and picking me up from school um, when most kids did not get picked up uh, because we were a couple hours away from the city. And on the surface, it's like, oh, why would, you're not at risk. Why would you need to? Um, 
I can't speak to whether my parents just wanted to have me home because of their own reaction. I have no idea. Um, but something that my dad had brought up was our small town and the reservoir that my family lived right next to, or right nearby, would provide water to the city. So he was kind of going, worst case scenario, immediately. Like, okay, there's terrorism at the towers. What if they're going to start trying to get to the city in any way? What if they go for the water supply? And all of these jumps that even today I would not have the mindset to make, I don't mm. think. Um, but that has kind of always stood out to me because then I was home for a couple days. And I was fortunate in a sense in that, like, we didn't have TV when I was growing up or anything. My parents still don't have cable, TV, any of it. Um, so I couldn't be as inundated by the news. My dad would get the newspaper each day so I could see the few pictures that they would have in there. And that was about it, um, which I'm grateful for mm. just because I, like, even seeing pictures and things now, I still have a significant reaction to 9-11. I just, like, I remember the fear of that time. I remember, even if I couldn't put it into those, like, these words, I, I remember that loss of normalcy. Mm. Like, even as a 10-year-old, I could tell that things had changed, even if I couldn't put it into words. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Too. Like, I'm definitely going back to 9-11. Mm. Yeah. Even though they are very different. I'm, I think that's the most, for me anyway, that's so far, that's the most traumatic uh, thing I've gone through. Um, I lived in the Bronx, like, when it happened. I, I remember, like, it was probably minutes after the first tower was hit where kids were already getting taken out of class. By the time I got home, the second tower was still up. So, like, it was, like, almost immediately that our parents were responding to this. And it was, like... Yeah especially traumatic for me because as I'm walking home like there's this huge fire right across the street from my apartment like from my apartment so like there's like three buildings on fire and I'm like what the heck is going on and then we got upstairs to my apartment and the very few channels that we did have was nothing but nine like the the World Trade Center the tower just fell will this house second tower fall is mm. there another plane gonna hit the tower like just people it was it was very traumatic for me and then mm. like I, it was probably a couple months after that, I, we moved to Connecticut. We, my mom was already planning to move, but that was years in the, in the making. And then this was like the push, like yeah. get out of New York City. And we were mm. in Connecticut like a few months later. So yeah, for me, that's the most like, and I also remember my dad was in Manhattan as this was happening. So we didn't, we didn't hear from my father the entire day. Like, we, oh, the shoot. last thing we heard is he was, like, crossing. They had everyone, like, crossing a bridge to get from Manhattan to another borough. I think it was, like, the Lincoln Bridge or something. Lincoln Tunnel, something like that. And that was the last we heard of it, mm. of him. And then we didn't, it was hours until we, thank God he was okay. But it was, it was really scary. Really scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry. I was a few years happened. younger. No, no, no. It was You're amazing good. to share that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, I was a couple years younger when 9-11 happened. I was like seven or eight years old. Um, and after hearing what you guys remember and what you went through, I can't believe how well my parents shielded me from that. Um, yeah. My parents let me go the whole day um, in school. I remember our principal coming in. We were in religion class. It's like a small Catholic school in Albany. Mm. Um, and... I remember her kind of explaining it to us in a very kid-friendly way. I have to give her props for that. Um, and then a couple of my classmates were a little bit upset, but generally speaking, not too much. My mom was pregnant with my little brother at the time. She gave birth to him like two weeks later. Mm. I remember my grandma, she came over from Poland to help out with the baby. And I remember the security guards like, giving her a much harder time than they've ever given us whenever we've gone through immigration understandably so but my grandma's an angel um and then aside from that um i think looking back at the timing my mom had me stay home from school during the anthrax scare that came a little while after that mm -hmm. but she That's totally right. phrased it in a different way it was no i just did. i thought you deserved a day off from school today which is completely <laughs> out of character for that woman so <laughs> yeah hmm. um i was like okay i'm gonna trust this we're gonna go with it i'm gonna go play with the barbies Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't think we even had the news on that much during 9-11 and the subsequent coverage after that, which is mm -hmm. the opposite of how it was in 08. Um, 
Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. It is interesting you talk about um, kind of how that was presented to you, Monica, because I know for me, so being up in Rochester at the time, so like I wasn't anywhere near, you know, I did not navigate in the same, I think, traumatic way that, uh, that uh, you uh, described, Carlos, which I appreciate you sharing that. Um, but even so, um, I was very much, so I remember I was actually, so I was actually homeschooled at the time, which I don't actually share that with a lot of people. I was homeschooled up until like, I think that was the last year I was homeschooled, actually. I went to school the following year. So I had like a routine at home that I would do. Um, my routine had not started yet, but I would get up early and I would game on the computer. So I was playing like, you know, Sid 2 or something, some, some you know, nerdy game. And, um, right. Um, and, uh, and I was playing and I remember... Um, my mom was in the living room and I think she had already had the news on or no, she was actually on the phone. That's what it was. She's on the phone. Someone on the phone told her to turn on the news. She does. So I hear her react to it. Um, and I go out to see what it is and we just watched it essentially. Um, and it was the, the first tower had been hit. Um, and I remember, I remember it very, I remember it uh, vividly cause we just, we just watched it. Like it was almost like the opposite of what you described Monica where, and actually it's interesting. I appreciate my mom allowing me to sit with that because I don't know, looking back on it, like, I think it's, I can't really put it in the words, but it was important, I think, for me to kind of just be present with that. Um, she had actually left the room when the second tower was hit. And so I remember calling her back in to see it. So it was like, we were like glued to the TV um, and watched the whole thing until, and I remember um, the conversation being very much that, or at least from my mom's, I think, point of view, um, was that, you know, they would find a way to put out the fires and there was there was not a thought that the towers were going to collapse so then that was a whole other thing when they did so it was just like it was like one thing after the other even though we were very removed and we were more than safe where we were um mm -hmm. and yeah and then i just think like, i remember being on for days and months and um but yeah so i think when we talk about that i mean again just as we're talking about it now how in many ways how different that is from what we're dealing with right now like mm -hmm. it's just like you know mm -hmm. yeah again the the you know how deadly this virus is like it's it's you know very deadly in its own way and it's having its own impacts and it will but yet how we're experiencing that i think is just very different um mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting to look at and see at um what impacts that because i think for 9-11 one of the main differences that we had in our experiences is i'm assuming the age you know yeah. because you're all in different places and different environments but remember it fairly similarly because I was just a couple years younger, but you treat a seven or eight year old way different than you do a 10 or 11 year old. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm curious how parents are handling that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Especially the younger parents. Because my mom was relatively young when um, that was happening. Uh, she was probably, I was 10. So she was like our age right now, mm -hmm. I guess. That's, oh, that's young. So like, I can't imagine having a 10 year old right now and. Trying to manage trying that. to like protect them from that, like right. It's it, it yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Very fortunate that we don't have to go through that. Like I, I completely sympathize yeah. for everyone who's going through that right now because it, it can't be easy. Yeah. You know. No. Not at all. But again, as we're thinking about all these different, and again, we only talked about a few of them. But what impacts do we feel that's had on our generation, like just as a whole, and even like moving forward? You know what? what, what yeah. I guess how do we sort of define? all of this. I don't know if we're going to know for a little while. Um, yeah. I think even with the last two larger traumas that we looked at, we didn't know the effects of them right away, not even for a couple of weeks or a couple months or even a couple of years, um, depending on yeah. the person or the group or what have you. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, I'm hoping that there's going to be some more systemic changes and rather quickly things with healthcare, manufacturing, infrastructure, all of that. But for the people, it's a little unpredictable. It kind of depends on how we handle it as we move forward. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I think in the shorter term, it's a perfect storm for anyone who already is navigating their own mental health issues. So, you know, if I'm struggling with depression and now I'm kind of forced to stay in all the time and I am inundated, constantly seeing all of this stuff about what the death rates are, um, what how we have to stay in for x amount of time longer it's just it's a really that isolation in itself is a perfect storm for people who already have some more on the depression end um, but some of those like pre-existing mental health issues because it just it exacerbates it so easily so i think that it's it's and this doesn't apply just to our generation i would say this is more like broad uh, in the short term i could see a lot of people 
being at increased risk. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to contradict myself from a minute ago. I'm curious to see how millennials and Gen Zers handle this, um, particularly as we've shifted really suddenly to an online existence, even more so than we have been prior to this, mm-hmm. um, especially as a lot of the younger generations are more familiar with doing stuff like video chatting fairly regularly mm-hmm. or hanging out with their friends on like their headset when they're playing a game. You know, all of that is a bit more natural for them. So I'm wondering what's going to happen with that. And for folks that have been struggling with their own mental health issues where they don't already leave their house a lot and where they are mostly communicating with loved ones via phone or whatever it is. Um, I've spoken with some folks that have felt validated in some levels of like, okay, so now the way that I want to be living my life is okay. I hope this is going to be acceptable as we move forward. But then also why wasn't this okay until just now? Because mm. I've been happy living this, but told it was wrong until two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so curious about that and how it's going to unfold. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, think in, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, no, go ahead. I was just going to kind of comment. I think something in the short term, and this is more like based on my anecdotal evidence is um, like these outbursts from people. Kind of like the idea that the straw that broke the camel's back kind of a thing. Mm. Um, because I'm hearing about, you know, I had ordered something and called to make sure like, hey, I haven't heard about it. Just want to make sure that you guys are still classified as essential. If not, that's fine. Just whenever. I just want to know, essentially. Um, and I was pleasant because to my mind, it was like, well, why wouldn't I be? And I may have mentioned this in the last episode, but the woman just said something like, oh, I'm so glad you're not yelling at me. Mm. Um, And I think there's this trend of people just kind of lashing out of this, like, fear-based response of, you don't have the toilet paper that I need, or why don't you have enough chicken at the grocery store? Um, One night I was sitting at home, and somebody was, or a couple people were driving down the road in their cars, and apparently, from what I could overhear, the one man stopped with the whole line of traffic behind him to get out and go off and just yelling at this other guy in the car behind him. Mm. And all he kept saying was your lights are shining too much. And it wasn't, you know, those kind of obnoxious led headlights that like sometimes I get in that moment where I'm almost about to get out of the car. (laughs) It wasn't, it was just your normal standard headlights. They were not on high beams or anything. Like it was just a guy driving his car and this guy had to go off on it and my husband had made some comment like oh people are going crazy and i i kind of countered it with like no you're probably going to see more of this because mm-hmm. people are stressing out mm-hmm. people are scared yeah. and they lash out sometimes mm-hmm. and that goes back into the piece of this that's a trauma you know mm-hmm. any kind of trauma it triggers that fear center in the brain it yep. triggers that panic response. And when that panic response is heightened, it makes it a lot harder to be empathetic. It makes it a lot harder to think logically and clearly and calmly. Mm-hmm. So you're managing this grief, this loss of being able to just like, I don't know, go get a coffee at Starbucks or Stewart's or wherever you want to go mm-hmm. and have it not be a life or death scenario. Um, and you're also taking a look at what is my life going to be right now? And all of that makes it really hard to not scream at the guy behind you whose lights are yeah. right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my mind was jumping to what you were talking about earlier, um, you know, in terms of the, the uh, denial piece, right? So some people are trying to go about their lives as if nothing is happening. Other people are, are you know, going home and, and screaming at their family or screaming at the driver behind them. You know, it, it, it feels very much like that. Like, it, like you said, it's definitely that trauma reaction yeah. and um, people just living that. And in that moment, maybe not even realizing that. And then that's not to excuse it either, because if I were the guy in the car behind him, that would be very awful. Um, you <laughs> yeah. know, but so it doesn't, doesn't excuse the behavior. But yeah, like that's I think that's absolutely I think you're right that that is um, very likely what's happening there. And would that be happening if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic? I mean, granted, um, no offense to Albany, but Albany drivers are atrocious um some of them are some of them are not but some of them are Most. um sorry yeah. um, <laughs> um it's, it's a, it, 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 a thing right okay so that, that's not just me like in the albany capital region like that's like a okay yeah it's pretty bad yeah. like you go anywhere okay. else like I've, I've had better driving in boston than i've had in, in the city okay so i shots fired no i'm just saying like in, I've, i mean i've driven through manhattan like like this is like 
Yeah. Where is worse driving? We are. We are. I've only seen, well, not only, but I have seen worse driving in South Florida. They don't use their blinkers, which is a big pet peeve of mine. Um, But Albany, we're we're very unique. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who we are. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So my my point in that is that, I mean, that probably could have happened even outside of a pandemic, but. In this mm-hmm. case, it probably was related to that, right? It probably was, you know, would that guy have done that when he, if he were not sort of in this collective trauma? Yeah. You know, good chance, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you going to ask something, Emma? And I, we cut you off? I don't think so, no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just making faces. <laughs> well, I just have to do something similar, I guess. I just, I try to use one of those delivery services uh, a few days ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I think it was Walmart or whatever, and apparently they're offering delivery now. So, but mm-hmm. they're using a third party for it. So I was already a, a little iffy about it, but I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot and see what happens. So it takes like five days for us to get the order anyway. Um, but on the day that it's supposed to be delivered, it's the time that's supposed to be delivered, and nothing gets delivered. I and I think most people's immediate instinct would be to call Walmart and like com- complain and like find out where my groceries are. But I, I waited. I was like, no, I'll wait 24 hours. They're probably overloaded. The, the driver probably has way too many orders. They probably couldn't do all of them. So I wait until, not the next, because it was like at night that they had to deliver it. So I waited till the next like day to, to call. And um, the manager was like surprised. He was like, you didn't call us like immediately? I was like, no, I, I wanted to give you guys some time to like figure it out. And I knew like whatever it was, it would, it would get fixed. I'm not really too worried about it, but I just want to know where my groceries are. And he's like, well, I can cancel your order. Blah, blah, blah. Like immediately it was like super helpful. Like in like a minute, my order was canceled and I got my money back and it was all good. And I and I, I like to think back at when I was in customer service, how like it was it was hard to to deal yeah. with. I can't imagine yeah. working in customer service in this scenario because they're probably mm-hmm. just getting it like twenty four seven. And yeah, I, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. I, I sympathize for essential yeah. workers right now. It's it's, it's and that in itself can have its own like added trauma for all of those workers because it's not just I'm navigating my own reactions I'm also getting berated attacked at risk like there's the risks of me going into work but then there's also the risks of me having to face the customers of whatever service I'm providing yeah Mm -hmm. and it's part of that thought in their head I'm sorry Monica um they're like I'm classified as an essential worker but I'm a minimum wage worker so like how is that working in my favor and like they're probably they have to do, like you said, Emma, they just have to work because they have no other choice. But it's it's messed up. Yeah. <laughs> they're essential and they're getting minimum wage. That's these are the people that you didn't want to get fifteen dollars an hour to. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. it's uh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's ridiculous. And I'm hoping that they get pay raises. Teachers are definitely. I'm hoping going to get a pay raise after all this because the amount of times I've heard a parent say, "Oh my God, I miss Stacy's teacher or whoever it is." Mm. Yep. Hopefully they'll be doing better. Um, But going off of your points, um, I'm an essential worker. I'm making minimum wage. And my expectation now is to go into work and get screamed at because we ran out of supplies. I mean, it's completely out of my control. Um, Maybe the person will just be snippy and roll their eyes and they'll scream at me for 45 minutes. That's a horrible, horrible reality to have to be even considering when you're going into your place of work. Absolutely. Well, and again, I think that that's another element here that is, and it, I, I keep tying it back to, to the same piece, but because of how this is being paced, it's almost sort of like taking the, the sort of like panic and all the things that kind of come with that and then drawing it out in very, 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 very slow motion, right? So it's like mm-hmm. we're seeing how people react when it's, it's this ongoing thing versus again, like, you know, I think it was just very different after 9-11 because it happened and then it was... It, it was over. over. It wasn't over, but it was, you know, the, the event was over. Um, yes. Where the, the event is just ongoing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think that's a, this is a good example of what we see and how that how that impacts. And then also, how again, how this is intertwining with the, um, the, the uh, oh, cannot find my words today. <laughs> when when uh, the uh, economy is not doing well. Recession, there we go. Um, <laughs> we said it like 18 times. Or it was, we, we said it enough times. Um, 
but uh but yeah that that how this is intertwining with that piece because exactly right like these are like the people that have to go into work and that are essential i mean it's just how we treat these workers and how we pay them so little and then and again these customers that are coming in and you know not to get too political but who knows how they vote it's just like there's like all these inner things that sort of like intertwine right and then how these people are really getting the brunt end of that um so yeah so i i it's just really i think that's one of the very unique things about this how we're seeing these different layers and aspects of trauma really get intertwined um it's like nothing we've seen before it almost reminds me as like a weird parallel of working with somebody that's experienced one singular traumatic event versus somebody that had been facing more complex trauma, like abuse within the home for years and years and years or any extended period of time within their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different uh, experiences for those folks once the traumatic, well, during the traumatic event, after the traumatic event has ended, as well as treatment. Um, and there's similar but tweaked in different ways to approach that with that person's care. There's different effects in the brain, um, even on what happens for folks in a singular event versus a more complex long-term event. Um, And it also parallels that for folks that have a more solidified, I guess I can say, sense of basic trust and safety in their environment. Like with Carlos, you knew that, hey, it's going to get fixed. It's going to happen. I don't like this, but I know it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You're able to respond with that empathy and with that calmness. Mm -hmm. Whereas for some of these folks, Mm -hmm. uh, they may be reacting out of a lot of fear Mm -hmm. and being faced with this idea of like, oh gosh, now I have to question the safety of my environment. I now have to question, am I going to have enough pinto beans at the grocery store or whatever it is? Um, Like, what is it going to be that I'm going to run out of? Am I going to be able to feed my family? Mm -hmm. That's something that's non-existent in American culture for the majority of folks. Um, Even Mm -hmm. if you can't afford food, there's always food available. That has been a very basic reality. Yeah. Available, I mean, like, it is in the stores. Right, you, you, mm-hmm. can, you can see it even yeah. though, but that's a really good distinction because yeah. for people, right, there's, for many people, it's yeah. still not available, it hasn't been. But I think we're seeing, um, probably seeing those reactions, not that I have a study in front of me to go off of, but we're seeing among people who have been able to access it, right? We're seeing these reactions from, you know, again, I'm generalizing here, but probably people who have benefited from levels of privilege, and now suddenly that privilege is, yes. is not quite there in the same way. And mm-hmm. and like you said, that's very well said. I think it is like this, this threat to one survival you know that that's a very scary indicator um even though we know that it's okay if you don't have pinto beans but that's not what it's about right it's, that's not that's not what's happening for that person um mm-hmm. i didn't mean to cut you off either i totally jumped in on that yeah no it's okay um also i was just thinking like huh, we need to get more of those because we actually have one can left um and we can throw a lot of our recipes i did make very good chili oh <laughs> um so that has nothing to do with this but <laughs> Yeah, so the different fear reactions that we have and how this kind of compares to individual trauma, the collective trauma, again, just as we don't know what's going to be happening with the virus and the solution with the pandemic and the vaccines or the cures or whatever we end up having, um, we're also, we can tell some of the more immediate effects and we can tell some of the effects that might be happening. You know, maybe there's going to be a more flexibility for online work or online schooling. Maybe not, but it's possible. Um, There's a lot of things that we're, maybe not going to be able to have. Another thing that I wanted to add is that with this, it's another interesting dichotomy because you're seeing the worst of people and then you're also seeing some really amazing aspects of people too. Um, One of the charities I keep telling everybody about until I'm blue in the face is Feed Albany. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are, um, they're employing uh, unemployed restaurant workers or service workers and they also accept volunteers and they will make food, package it, and deliver it to folks that are in need in the capital region. Nice. Um, and so if you happen to, if, I'm going off of what I remember from the website, so please check the website because I might be wrong. But if you happen to be diagnosed with COVID-19 and you can't and thankfully don't go to the grocery store, but you still need to feed yourself, um, you can contact them. If you are unemployed and you have been on hold with unemployment for the past week and a half and you want to just make sure you get some money on the table if you feel comfortable you can take that risk if you're someone who's also very comfortable and feel like you want to take that risk you can also volunteer and give back because there's some folks that are having this really big crisis of meaning right Mm now um like who am i without my job who am i without my routine and i'm jumbling a million and one different things but it's this particular volunteer service is something that hits a lot of needs some more obvious than others and some that are a lot more abstract. Mm, yeah. yeah. That makes yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
I hope that makes sense. It does. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, it does. Yeah. It all I think it actually, <laughs> I think it captures really well, though, part of what collective trauma is. You said, like, oh, I'm jumbling a million things. That's, yep. Yeah. That's, right. yeah. That's accurate. That's what we're going through. Right. <laughs> That's a trauma response in real time, folks. I'll be here all week in the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Monica That's right. is a fucking client. Yeah, and it kind of just just to tie that all back, um, you know, in terms of again, kind of how this defines us, and again, not even just the pandemic, of course, but everything we're talking about and and these various collective traumas we faced. um, Again, I think it will vary based on how the person is impacted, how close they are to that thing, you know, the various layers that we're just sort of scratching. I mean, we could go on for eighteen podcasts and more diving into this. Um, but yeah, I think it will be interesting to see, like you said, Monica, how this plays out, you know, in the coming months and years. Uh, I do think though, it, it really speaks to one thing I, I did want to just touch on it. it Cause I, I see, and I saw it was a lot more before the pandemic. I'm not seeing as much now, but then, then again, I'm like 29 and I guess kind of getting old for this stuff. Um, in terms of what I see on social media, I, I always, I'm finding that my observations to be, be more and more off in that realm. Um, but like, you know, the whole like, okay, boomer thing or like the whole like the or the the person who is a baby boomer who is acting as though someone in gen z does not get anything and is completely irrelevant and and there's just a lot of this like generational sort of warfare that plays out yeah. right and I, and I think especially within our culture like i think it's a very like american culture thing and that's just sort of my own observation not that other places yeah. don't do it but like here it's like and um and again and i have my own feelings and reactions to things but it's interesting how this will shape if if it does shape that. It'll be interesting to see how this continues to shape that because I think it speaks to the fact that every generation faces its own set of collective traumas, right? We're not yeah. we're unique in what we have faced, but we're not unique in the fact that we have faced collective trauma. Um, same goes for Gen X. Same goes for the baby boomers. Same goes for the you know certainly just, you know, we go beyond that. Then we're talking World War II and we're talking about the Great Depression. Um, you know what's impacted our our, our uh, uh, grandparents or great grandparents. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hoping to see some some shift in that in terms of how we understand that. Um, maybe I'm being optimistic, but um, I think this is another set of cultural dynamics that kind of get intertwined with all this. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, and then, you know, how does that impact overall mental health? How does that impact? I mean, I think about, again, I won't take up too much time with this, but I think the pandemic specifically has highlighted a very silent collective trauma, which is our economy and how our economy functions. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. not getting political. I'm actually very centrist myself, but there is definitely a wealth gap. There's definitely a, a set of dynamics that our generation is facing way more so than our parents and especially our grandparents. Um, and then of course, communities of color and other communities are being impacted even more so, right? It's like, so I think this is highlighting that. It's, it's That's sort of boiling over in all of this. And I think this is partly why Monica, it is gonna take months and years to really understand and see this because this is just the beginning, right? It's just the beginning of the pandemic, yeah. but even the pandemic is over. I mean, the economic spillover that this is causing, that was already there, right? These issues were already present. The trauma was already happening. Um, but now it's just full force. You know, now it's, you know, so it will be really... It's undeniable now. Right. Yes, it's very much much more out, much more so out, out in the open. People will still deny it, though. You know, people are still going to, you know, but you're right. I think it's it's much more exposed. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway, I could keep going on. I could go on to like 18 different <laughs> podcasts with us. <laughs> podcast is for. Yeah, that's right. Tim's riling up. Oh, I'm, I'm going. <laughs> well, that um, note, do you want to wrap up or do another quick thing? Or what do you guys want to do? Um, We're already pushing an hour. Yeah. We, we can we can cut it into two episodes. Mm. What would you guys like to do? As per usual. <laughs> I, yeah. Like, I feel like once like, we start going, I'm like, or we could just record like seven podcasts oh go ahead oh no nope you it's okay well i was just gonna say because last time we did this you ended up not cutting it to halves because but this it was time, weird this time i will this time you will you'll yeah. be able to because okay. it's, it's a very clear transition i think from topic to topic here okay before it's just like why were we just a jumbled mess before? What? Oh. Huh? No, no. It's just more, yeah, more focused <laughs> on one topic. This mm. is we're talking about a bunch of different things. Sure. You know. Makes That's sense. true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm okay with either. And you're gonna say something, Monica? Um. So as I am 
still a little bit type A with all this. I took notes. I knew she I had a reference thing. Oh my god! Entire time. You take notes the whole um, for the whole podcast. I just like I scribbled a couple little things oh, down. I saw her looking down and, and writing. I didn't see. That's what's really kind of <laughs> creepy. No offense, but like I didn't see you writing. <laughs> This is what she does. She was, like, she was like talking and writing. Like she she would be taught or someone would be talking and she'll be like listening, but like you could tell she was taking notes. Wow. <laughs> and then I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Wow. That's our like I've got a very good setup because if I have my arms down here, like I have ample room to write, to read. You can see me looking down, but if I put it like right here, you guys still won't be able no. to see my notes. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, we could certainly go back to those. That's yeah, I'm down for that. I mean, we don't have to. I'm fine with whatever. My last things, I think, that I haven't referenced, um, said stuff about grief, crisis, and meaning. The only real thing I have left is I wrote like something about how individual trauma can get really pathologized. I have a tiny, very general, well, I think it's generalized anecdote. Um, mm. that's like a mixture of numerous i'll just say it right now since we're not recording um we are ah, uh essentially i have some clients that are victims of complex trauma um single event trauma and you know stuff that's slightly in between um and they'll have these experiences where either they're pathologizing their own human reactions to certain events or they'll get that pathologized reaction from others of like oh gosh you're so crazy mm -hmm. and one thing that really stood out to me and i can put this in a different context in a minute um, I'll have primarily women say something along the lines of like, my boyfriend cheated on me and I screamed at him for hours. I can't believe I was that crazy and had such a mood swing. And they'll kind of beat themselves mm -hmm. up for what is a very like, honest reaction, I think, to anybody. Um, but the general point is that a lot of the time trauma can, in the aftermath, make it difficult to trust your own reactions. Mm -hmm. And that within our culture, with individualized trauma, um, there's almost this instinct to keep it on the individual, keep it on the other to make it this event that is clinical. Mm. When in reality, trauma is something that, I mean, maybe this is just my opinion, but it's a very natural response to something that should never have happened and something that in itself was unnatural. Mm. Um, mm. So with this, obviously this whole thing is not good, um, but collective trauma has a small slight advantage in that these things will hopefully be less likely to be pathologized in that way. And there's going to be hopefully more of a chance for social engagement and all of these things, the shared lived experience, all these things that help with trauma recovery mm -hmm. as we move forward. Um, so that is my main thing. And then I just had like two other things that are helpful with trauma healing, but that's all I got. It's um, like doing those body focus practices, the stuff like yoga, dance, uh, roller derby, karate, whatever helps for you. And then um, feeling safe within the environment, that's something that's going to be much trickier because that goes back more so to the individual, aside from the pandemic itself. Um, if and when we get a vaccine with this or a cure or a treatment or whatever it may be, people will feel safe from the collective danger. But then it will go back to what does the individual's life look like? What are their um, situations that they're facing? Are they someone where they're still living alone? Are they someone where they have a loving and supportive family or a good relationship with the roommate? Are they someone that is feeling in danger, or at least are dealing with a toxic relationship with those that they live with? Um, so that's what I've got. Yeah, absolutely. Very well put. Yeah. <laughs> I also wanted, I don't know why this suddenly reminded me, but um, I kind of wanted to acknowledge like that permission giving that as we all navigate a collective trauma, it's okay to not be productive. Cause I think there's like mm. almost these two camps on social media, the camp of like, Oh, if it was important, now you have no excuse. You have the time to do the thing, whether it's cleaning or getting the new hobby or learning a new language or whatever. <laughs> um, all of these amazing <laughs> ideals. Um, so there's the camp of go and achieve those things. But then it also is like just, survive the day like you're going through a shitty time a scary time like you're probably feeling a lot of panic it's okay if you getting through the day was like perfect i took a shower and i put on my stay-at-home pair of comfy pants as opposed to my sleeping comfy pants <laughs> um so like as we go through collective trauma 
make yourself okay. However, that has to be, you know, mm -hmm. I'm definitely not saying turn to drugs and alcohol. Cause I think there's also that kind of a response like, Oh, it's wine o'clock. There's coffee time and there's wine time or, you know, whatever. Um, which to be honest, every once in a while I see those little memes and I laugh because I, they're like, funny. They're, like they can be funny. I like darker humor. Like I appreciate that about our generation. We can be dark. Mm -hmm. It's great. Right. Um, yeah. It's great. It's um, <laughs> coping skill from our time and all the trauma we have faced. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Our humor is totally impacted by just the life experiences we've shared. So, with all of that said, though, making sure that we are okay can just be our priority in all of this. Whether that's saying, you know, a lot is going around about like, make sure you stay social in this time. So, have once a day, have a Skype call or FaceTime with somebody. I know for me, it's been really impactful to some days, just not. Like, if somebody's contacting me and they want to have a, a FaceTime or whatever, not today. Like, maybe I had rougher sessions that day. Maybe I just wanted to be able to bum around. Like, for those of us that need it, it's okay to take it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's about making space for your own needs as they come up. Yeah, um, and hopefully folks will be able to tune into that as we move forward through this. Because mm -hmm. uh, listening to what those needs actually are can be a very helpful process, particularly if you're able to make space for that or have the environment where others can help you make space yeah. for that too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything want to add, Carlos? Um, well, I'm not a therapist. But <laughs> um, I think it, it's it'll be good if people can respect um, when someone wants to be alone in a time like this as well, especially mm -hmm. like in couples and families like they, you guys have to remember they have to remember that before all of this, you guys probably, if you were working, you didn't see each other for eight hours. Mm -hmm. And now you mm -hmm. see each other for 24 hours. And if your boyfriend wants to be in a room alone watching TV or playing a game, let him do that. Without... Are you trying to say something? No. Are you trying to say something? No, I'm not. But people will do that. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that people, quote unquote. Oh my God. <laughs> not you, not us. Nobody in particular, no one specific. No, no, no. no, 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 no one here. See, like, I'm nodding my head so hard, like, yes! <laughs> 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 it's my favorite part of the day sometimes, is, and this sounds terrible, but, like, no one is my favorite parts of the day <laughs> is when Rob goes into his office to have his video game time with his friends, mm. and I, it's like, oh, good, like, maybe I'm going to do a call with my friends. Maybe I'm going to take a nap on the couch with my cat, like... The night is full of possibility, yeah. and it can be really nice sometimes to not have him around. And because mm. I don't even like him, it's just like, and that's give okay. me a space, man. Yeah, that is exactly. Yeah. Like, people can't shame you for that, I don't think. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Live your process. Yeah. Well, I think it, mm -hmm. and it, and it speaks to, as you were saying that, um, it, it speaks to even the group that we're running right now, which this is also kind of half a plug, but, um, we are running a support group, um, for basically navigating the current pandemic and the current collective trauma. Um, and it's a great group. The facilitator is phenomenal. She's a great therapist. Um, and we've all, yes. Yep. Um, and we, um, uh, but we've only had a few people sign up and I don't think it's because people are not interested in that people want and need the support, but I think people's heads are still spinning, right? People are still, and I think that could probably go back to your point, Carlos, is that after they've talked about it in their individual therapy, they talked about it with their partner, and now they're navigating it, and they're watching on the news, and now they're trying to get their work done from home. And the, oh, wait, I have to go to a group, too? Like, it's just like it's another, you know, I think it's going to play more of a role in people's lives as this continues, and I expect that our group is going to grow. Um, I think part of this is that people are still just... Uh, just trying to get their bearings right now and depending on ones again we've talked about various examples of this but i mean there are people who don't know if they're going to you know, have their apartment next month I and mean, people who don't know if you know other elements of disability are going to be gone and even for those who are pretty confident that the stability is okay it's still a lot that they're sort of processing so i, I think you're right some people just need that time and space just mm -hmm. to just to kind of be you know? mm -hmm. my hope is that we can continue offering that group for like an extended period of time and after this is quote unquote over whatever that because I, I don't even completely know what it means for the pandemic to be over. Mm. Um, but I hope that it continues because I completely agree. Because I know 
initially hearing about the group that was going to be run, it was like, oh, great idea. But then my next thought was like, well, if I was the client, I would not be taking that. Because mm. if I think of all of the social calls that I'm doing, so whether it's house party, Zoom, Skype, whatever, yep. we all get on this this method of talking. And what do we talk about? We talk about how crazy this pandemic is. We talk about how the pandemic is impacting us. We start off a list of, do you know anyone who's been diagnosed yet? Mm. Or, you know, how are your parents or grandparents? And mm. it's, mm-hmm. it's on the one hand, exactly. Yeah. It's on the one hand, really kind and appreciated. But it also means as I, as we're like kind of pushing ourselves to fill that social need, we're still getting inundated with the pandemic that's all over our Facebook feed in every Instagram comment. I don't know if there are new cool social medias that the kids are using these days, but it's probably on that I, I too. Think, I think it's Snapchat. Isn't Snapchat like the thing? Probably. TikTok's the new thing. Oh, TikTok. Oh, TikTok. Sorry, what? Yeah. Oh, TikTok, TikTok right. Thing. Yeah. Oh, I just felt like a grandma. <laughs> no, it's, TikTok what now? Okay. TikTok. It's <laughs> like Vine, but worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Vine, but worse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like a mixture of Vine and that new, that music killy, whatever it was called. Oh, I remember, it was like yes, for a little it while. was musically, well, but then they yeah. changed the name to TikTok. Right. I wonder oh. what happened. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. that, that, yes. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, that's the and, and the total side note, side tangent. Um, well, yeah. Um, what happened to like? Why did Vine? I I, I, don't, I say this to you all the time, Carlos. Like, yeah. where did Vine go? Because all right, yes, I'm I agree. So sorry I, about it. I, I wasn't okay. big on Vines, <laughs> but like, I get the popularity, and then suddenly it was just gone. Right. Like, what? Mm-hmm. And Monica has an answer. Vine, Vine was bought, and I want to say by Google, but I'm probably oh. incorrect. So okay. you guys can look that one up, but Vine was bought by some bigger company and then they just shut that shit down. Oh my God. And then really? I, I think they wanted to make their own version. I don't think it was Musical.ly or TikTok that bought it or anyone associated with them. It, I'm totally blanking on who it actually was, uh, but they saw it, they bought it, they killed it. And then from there, um, Snapchat was still popular. And then a few months, maybe a year went by before I at least heard about Musical.ly. It was probably around before then, but just not as popular. Mm-hmm. Um, it started out with just like preteen flip singing in a really cringy way. And then it slowly morphed into, again, worse sign. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> now people are just kind of chilling on it. Um, and then I think Instagram and other apps, YouTube, I think, is doing something that copies it. They're doing shorts. Um, I have a lot of knowledge about this. I don't even have my notes for this one, guys. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't even yeah, know about yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Monica's like our gap to the youth, apparently. <laughs> 26, guys. It's only a limited amount of time. We're looking to enjoy it. Oh, Everyone's I wouldn't brother. give. But I wouldn't give. Oh, oh God. Uh, I've had a lot of time to, like, wash for gray hairs. It's great. It's been good. Yeah. Oh. You stop counting after about the third, and then you're just like, ah, oh, here's the new one. Yeah. Oh, fun. Not that I know that. Yeah, no, that's great. That's good. That's good. Oh, that's a trauma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's the new that's the new social media thing. Um, corona exhaustion is a real thing, though. Too. It's yeah. a lot of people talking about it twenty four seven. Yeah, like it's it's a lot. Yeah. I've, um, I've stopped like watching the briefings and. You were all about it for a while. Yeah, because yeah. it's like it's. It's like the same thing over and over and over. There's no, there, there are no new answers. It's just more lies and more, you know, they're just trying to get by themselves. <laughs> so mm. like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I catch up once a week now and I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just mm-hmm. gonna happen for months. I only need to hear about it once a week. <laughs> yeah, that sounds healthy. Yeah. That sounds yeah. really healthy. Yeah. Um, one thing Terry and I are doing since him and I were dating and we were planning on moving in together in like three weeks, but that's now postponed, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, since we can't really see each other, I live with my parents right now and my dad is a bit more vulnerable to coronavirus. So mm-hmm. he's just graciously asked that I not risk him getting infected and dying. Um, mm-hmm. So with that, we haven't really been able to see each other all that much. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing we've started to do is... Um, mm-hmm have conversations with each other but try really to not make that the center of our conversation mm. we can talk about pretty much anything else um but that is we already have a limited amount of time together and my heart really goes out to actual long distance couples now and for anybody that's not living with their significant other that can't see them yeah. because that is rough that is really really difficult because the phone is not the same as seeing that person yeah. while they're there um at the same token 
I also empathize with you guys because there is a balance between an hour a day and 24 hours. Not to also make myself sound like the youngest person in the room, but do you guys remember that one episode of SpongeBob where SpongeBob goes to work at the chum bucket? And okay, wait, wait a second, wait a second. I, I watched SpongeBob growing up, okay? Like, I was He's born. Like, in, I'm not that old. I was cutting out. <laughs> I was born in 91, all right? This is not like. SpongeBob came out in what? You know, 99, You're I such think. You're a stereotypical 99? 99 year old. Yeah. Hey, I didn't cut you off, but like, girl, I've watched okay. SpongeBob, okay? It's okay. Good, good. My apologies. I just didn't want to sound like I'm still, like, I don't know, 10. But anyways, um, so, there's that one episode where SpongeBob's going to work at the Chum Bucket. Him and Mr. Krabs, they're very sad. The restaurant is not doing well at either place. And then they have that little duet, and they're reaching out to each other with, like, a little smoke and everything. That is how I've been feeling for a month. And it is not a fun thing. Yeah. 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 I hear that. That's so sad. It, It is. Yeah. We're gonna deal with it. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. We're, gonna, we're gonna work on that one. Thank but the phone call are at least something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was saying because we were we were um, long distance for the first year in mm-hmm. our relationship. Yeah. Now I can't imagine going like back and yeah. I would have been like, oh, hi, I'm over here still. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And like when you were con- contemplating going still, I was like, oh, God. Okay, no, to be fair, this was like late February. Okay, like, it I had know. not, you know. Oh, totally right. time. That was not any time recently. Yeah, um, no, before. Yeah, but I yeah. Like, I let yeah. him figure it out on his on his own. Yeah, you did, yeah. You were very good about that. I keep getting very quiet, and I'm like, he doesn't think I'm going. And a week later, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not going. Yeah, that's, not, like, that's not happening. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, my mother would have lost her mind. Would have lost her mind. Uh, side note, she, um, for those listening, I don't, I think I've, shared this maybe in our last podcast my mom is actually part of our practice and she handles all of our hr she's a registered nurse um mm-hmm. and is spe- she actually specializes in hipaa um so she ensures that we're hipaa secure so i uh, love my mom she's probably listening but yeah she would have lost her mind if i were stuck over there and yes. i don't think you would have been we would have both lost our minds yeah. and yeah it would have been a united front to like we probably would have kidnapped you before you made it to the airport <laughs> <laughs> comes out. You would not have made it to London. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. <laughs> quick side note too, you, you both you had trips. Or you have trips. Yeah. Are, are they still happening? What we don't know. We're, we don't know. I don't know why I asked you that. 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 that was a stupid question on my end. Um No, well, no, it's a very no, smart no. question. It's a <laughs> very smart question. It's just um a question with an unknown answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting as this whole pandemic progresses um, and kind of focusing on the very, I was about to call it the very selfish side of things, which obviously shows how kind I am to myself. So the very personal side, um, it's <laughs> Monica shaking her head so vehemently right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but see, that's why I need you. Um, it's been interesting to see my reaction as more people in my life are impacted. Like, my husband and I have a friend who has coronavirus who lives alone in the city. And I notice that every day I'm like, check in on him. Like, we need to make sure he's okay. Can I ship him stuff? Like, we got to make sure he's fine. And thankfully he's, you know, he has it, but he's okay. Um, you know, I have friends that are, have lost their jobs now. Um, which again, on that more focused on me perspective, kind of directly can impact my future travel plans with friends. Uh, so it's it's been interesting as things get closer. My brother works at a grocery store. They just had their first confirmed case of somebody with the virus at the grocery store. My brother also lives with my parents. My dad is seventy five. So it's just as kind. It feels like um, I can't think of a really cool analogy, but yeah, it's just yeah. all coming closer and closer. And it's like oh no, like this is the time where now the impact is much more direct on me yeah. rather than. Ah, in some place or some people or a friend of a friend of a friend is impacted. Um, it's just really interesting to even see as we were preparing for this podcast. I'm like, oh, we're talking about collective trauma. I've definitely been noticing like, oh, look, there I am. There's an impact of collective trauma. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 
yeah, that's I, a very that's a very I, unique, I, like that, that's a, that's very much like a therapist experience in that like that's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because I have had, I think every therapist knows this whole technique because we all have to apply it all the time. Um, I'm overgeneralizing, but that whole technique mm-hmm. of like, but what would you tell your client? Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been applying that one hard recently because I would notice I would start having my grief process. Uh, and there was like a whole day I just did absolutely nothing. And mm-hmm. then was guilting myself for not doing things, whatever they were supposed to be. Um, and I have to keep on reminding myself, like, oh, I'm sad right now. Mm. And it's okay to be sad that the future plans that I was really looking forward to may be changing. It's okay to be scared that my family could get sick, which was something I knew. Of course, like, I feel like we all have that awareness, that, like, oh, my family could be impacted. Mm-hmm. But it's different when you start seeing it becoming more and more of a potentiality. Mm-hmm. Um so it makes a lot of sense because it's, yeah. it's an abstract concept versus a concrete reality to go exactly the processing. Yep. Yeah. So it's just been a whole process of like, Emma, you're a therapist. Come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's okay to just have a moment. And if I'm going to tell myself, those are the times when I text Monica and I'm like, Hey, can you tell me to do my thing? And then, Hey, do this thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It is. I already have the tools. I have a very easy job. Uh, yeah. I I was just gonna say, and if it is, I will be 39. So here we go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're such a stereotypical 29 year old. I know there's, there's listeners out there like, oh my god, is he serious? Like I can just imagine yeah. the reactions. Like, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Yep. I've, I've been that person, and now I'm almost 30. So I'm like, well, I've just given in. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. This all said. Any additional thoughts? final things we want to touch on i have a theory on when this will actually be over and how we'll know it's over um when we have a series of movies come out about this period of time in our lives and they're highly dramatized yes Yes. oh my god remember the period where they would not um like like 9-11 was like off limits like 9-11 would not be like and anything that like even remotely like showed it like a new york city skyline would not be included like it just was not And then it was like, yeah. I don't know what well, it was like, like. I'm sorry, but yeah. like Friends, they had a whole episode where it was something like joking about a plane and they just like completely mixed the episode yep, because like 9-11 mm-hmm. happened like the next week and it was going to air like that week yep. and they just oh, didn't release it. Yep. Yeah. So. Good call. That's right. That's right. But no, so I think you're right about that, Monica, because like, I think it will be years and then it will be, this will definitely be uh, within the media or within movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah biopic of tom hanks experience starring tom hanks as tom hanks obviously <laughs> sorry tom hanks oh. as tom hanks <laughs> <laughs> wow i like it i'd watch it yeah yeah let's see right. blockbuster hit yeah. i mean it'd be a pretty boring movie it'll be people just staying at home all the time yeah. <laughs> watching tv and netflix and no we're gonna be following like the, the cool handsome head scientist oh, yeah. that doesn't exist but like it's going to be a whole thing he obviously has like a 17 pack abs or whatever whatever oh, she's going to be cast by george clooney yeah yeah oh. yeah yeah mm-hmm. yep. mm-hmm. low-key monica actually has a screenplay she's gonna be <laughs> i can see that yeah working yeah. on it i'm working on it guys <laughs> dr fauci would have a cameo <laughs> yeah yeah as a patient as a patient mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Oh. i want danny devito to play trump but that's just a personal dream of mine. Oh my God. Very well. I know they're not physically similar, but it just—I feel like it could really, they could jack. He, he could really, yeah. he could really like play with that character. It could work. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what? Actually, who, 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 who plays him in SNL? Who plays Trump in SNL? I'm. I'm oh God, I forgot. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. How did I forget that name? Yeah. Like what the? Yeah. <laughs> he should be 
he should be in, in, in the movie and should play Trump. He does a really good Trump impersonation. Ooh, Danny DeVito and Alec Baldwin should both play Trump in the same movie, just swap off and pretend wow. like it's not happening. Oh my wow. God. That's perfect. Go. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. That's my magic now. <laughs> We just got our next business venture. Let's go. We're going to write right. the screenplay. Oh my God. Yeah. And that's how we all fail. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Failing is okay. Yep. That's right. That's right. <laughs> this all sets so yeah, okay. we probably should wrap up um yes thank you well thank you to everybody but thank you monica for joining us today and for going on this wild adventure that is this podcast um anytime yeah yeah cool that was Glad fun. to be here this was fun yeah um, yeah i don't know i'm not gonna do the plugs again because i feel like i just did them so if you are interested you can reach out to me directly uh, my email address is intake at common sense, uh, M as in mental, H as in health.com. And my direct line as well is 518-350-7374. Um, yeah, reach out if you are interested in services and I can help you every step of the way. Awesome. Thank you, Carlos. No problem. All right. So I will, we will wrap up uh, for today. Thank you for listening and uh, we'll pick up on this next week. Bye.